going to go to Romans chapter 4 and start with verse 17. If you know uh, the story of Abraham, you know that God promised Abraham a child. It, not just a child, but he said, you'll be a father of many nations. And uh, as Abraham began to grow older and older, he still didn't have a child. And Sarah began to get older and older, and they still didn't have a child. But God still said, you're going to be a father of many nations. Paul, writing uh, to the church, reminding them of this, he's encouraging the church in their faith. He said in verse 17, As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, talking about Abraham believed God, God who quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were. In other words, the things that don't exist, God just speaks things into existence. If it's not there yet, God can bring it to pass. You might not see it yet, but that doesn't mean God can't provide it. Hello. Come on, there's people in here with prayer requests tonight and things that you're wanting to see happen, and it doesn't look like anything's happening, but I'm telling you that God's only got to speak the word. He said, let there be light, and it was light. He didn't have to mix up a potion. He didn't have to do it in two or three steps. He spoke it once, and it was light. And whatever you need tonight, God's just got to speak it into existence and send it on its way. And so Abraham, it says, who against hope believed in hope. When it looked like there was no hope, he still had hope. Because he didn't have hope in what he saw. He had hope in who he didn't see. And he knew that God was able to do it. So against hope, he believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And now this, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. Boy, that's a key right there. Being strong in faith. Giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. And so tonight I want to talk to you just a little bit on this subject, senseless faith. Senseless faith. Let's pray together tonight. Lord, we love you tonight. Father, we just honor you in this house, and we know that nothing is too hard for you. God, tonight... I pray that there'll be a spirit of faith released in this room that we might believe for the impossible. Lord, tonight we know all things are possible through you. Let our minds, our hearts be good ground to receive your word. Let us be encouraged. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. Tonight, let faith be birthed in this house, in every soul, in every individual that hears this word tonight. God, let faith arise in them in the name of Jesus. And everyone said amen. Give the Lord a hand clap and a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. I wonder if we still live in a day where people can believe God despite what they see, despite what they hear, even despite what they know. Praise God. Praise God. You can be seated. God bless you. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. I've said this many times and it's still true tonight. I still believe it's true. I try my best to live by this. Is that faith is greater than fact. I would venture to say that faith is the greatest fact to the believer. The fact that we have faith is why we see uh, the things that we see. The fact that we had faith in God and in the gospel is the reason we're born again. The fact that we believe uh, that faith comes through hearing and hearing by the word. We live by faith. That's a fact. We walk by faith, not by sight. That's a fact. We know that the just shall live by faith. 
Faith is our life. We are faith-living, breathing individuals. But the thing about faith is that it doesn't often make sense when you're praying. It doesn't make sense a lot of times uh, that, you know, we don't ask faith a lot of times. We don't, we don't feel like we have to have faith for a lot of things because we feel like we can do it. We're so accomplished. People are so accomplished today. Oh, I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. Yeah, I can take care of that. And so we never really rely much on God until we get to something tragic, something terrible. I mean, you know, but we need to know that tonight, and as we're praying, as we've been praying and we're seeking God and we're continuing on this walk with him, that I know that faith without works is dead. But let's don't get busy with works and leave our faith behind. And that can happen. That we can be so comfortable in what we can do that we forget to have faith. But without faith, the scripture says, it is impossible to please God. I want to not just be doing works uh, for myself. I don't want to be doing works that are not pleasing to him. The Bible says, whatever I do in word or deed, I do it all in his name. Uh, I, I do it in the name of Jesus. I do it through faith and by faith in his name. I've got to have faith. And so we need to, when we come to prayer, we, we come with needs. We come with words. But do we come with faith? The Bible says that, that when we pray that we should not doubt the things that we say because if we can believe the things that we are saying uh, then we'll have those things, uh, that we should be persuaded that when we pray that God hears us and we have the petitions. And so once we pray that prayer to him, we know God's got it. He, didn't, he wasn't some, looking somewhere else and he had to say, huh, what was you saying? God never has to ask you twice. What did you say? I, I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open to their cries, to their prayers. God is always listening to his people and he hears you the first time. When Daniel was praying in the scripture, it said that he had been praying for 21 days, but the angel of the Lord told him, said, from the time that you set your heart to this and you begin to pray, God heard you. The answer was on the way. He heard you the first time, but, but uh, he, Daniel just kept praying and kept believing and kept seeking the Lord because he needed an answer. But tonight in this uh, this story that Paul is recounting to the church about Abraham, it's that is a uh, Abraham had senseless faith. It didn't make any sense. Uh, the word senseless means foolish or stupid, uh, not making sense. Uh, A.W. Tozer, he said, any faith that must be supported by the evidence of the senses, it's not real faith. If I've got to be able to understand it with my carnal mind before I can pray about it, it's not faith. If I've got to have an explanation from God why it is the way it is, then it's not faith because faith always, friend, it'll work outside of your senses, of what you see, what, what you believe, what you think. Nobody uh, in their right mind would say you can step out of a boat and walk on water. That's uh, above your senses. Nobody could just think just because one man said a word that you ought to be able to step out of a boat without sinking or that you could just touch the hem of somebody's garment and you would be made whole or that uh, there's no medical professional today that would say if you wanted to cure leprosy, just go dip seven times in the Jordan River and you'll be made whole. It just doesn't happen. Uh, faith always acts outside of our senses and we have to not be afraid of how faith might make us look. You see, Naaman the leper was upset because he was going to have to believe the man and obey the man and have faith and go dip seven times. And he, he was a proud man. He was a, a soldier and he, he had a, a, a big name about him. And he, he, he thought he was worthy of a little more honor than what was being given. His ego was getting in the way. And his ego almost kept him from getting made, being made whole. Because he was going to ride on home and say, forget this guy and just go on about it. But he was dying. And I don't want to die because of my ego. I don't want to die because I'm worried about my reputation. I don't want to die because I'm worried about and, and do without what God could give me just because I'm worried about how it might make me look. When it comes to living for him, I'm not worried about how it makes me look. 
when I, it, it comes to believing the Lord and his word and serving him and preaching his word and believing what the Bible says, I don't care what the world thinks about that because I know I've seen too much already that God does what he says he'll do. I've seen people healed instantly. I've seen it, healings take time, but I've seen instant healings. I've seen uh, those kind of things happen. I've seen God provide uh, for uh, monetary needs. I've seen him provide jobs. I've seen him fix homes and families and relationships. I've watched God do too many things that I knew in my own natural mind there's no way this is going to work out, but God did it. Friends, sometimes we've just got to believe in what God can do. We cannot let our carnal knowledge, our carnal mind, come on, we cannot let that uh, uh, cancel out our faith. We think we know so much. This world, uh, it, uh, the world's so advanced. They're creating new stuff. All the, I mean, uh, machines that can do anything. I mean, you see it. You've seen the news. You see the AI robots. You see all the things that are going on your phones do anything they want to do now. I mean, you can just walk in your house and say, hey, Alexa, and now there's, you know, or you can just talk, walk in your house and talk and turn your lights on, turn your lights off, turn the radio on, start your coffee, whatever it is. We're just getting advanced, logical, smart. And so this world is getting so smart that it no longer can grasp faith because faith is not based on my knowledge. It's not based on my knowledge of what God can do. It's just my belief that he can do it because I don't always know what God's going to do. I just know he can do it. I don't always know why. I just know there is a why and I have faith in God. And so now the world people, they cannot grasp the concept of faith. Everything has to be proven to make sense. And that happens. They've carried that into the house of God. Well, if you can't prove this to me, I'm not going to believe it. And they never move farther in God. They don't let the word, the preached word of God, do what it was designed to do. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. How can they hear without a preacher? Somebody needs to be preaching the word of God. And then we need to be believing the word of God. Here's the thing about faith. You've got to take uh, the preacher, the word, at the word. You've got to take it for what it is. You've got to read it and believe that it means what it says. Well, if I can get me a few more big books and study this and break this down, and if I can translate this, and if I can get somebody to testify and tell me that they saw this happen, then I'll believe it. And that's why people are not seeing what they want to see. But if we can just believe God, man, if I could believe him to wash my sins away, if I can believe uh, somehow that when I go down in this water by faith in the name of Jesus, that when I come up, I'm washed whiter than snow. If I can believe for God to fill me with the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues, why can't I believe him to heal my body? Why can't I heal, uh, believe him to raise the dead? Why is it so hard for me to believe that he can still do any and everything? There's still nothing too hard for the Lord. And the world will say, well, that just don't make sense. Exactly. And that's the whole thing about faith is, is oftentimes it is senseless because it never works according to what you know and what you see. For we walk by faith and not by sight. And I'm glad I'm not the kind of person that has to say, well, you're going to have to prove that to me for it to make sense. You're going to have to show me some research uh, uh, or I'm not going to believe you. I'm not going to get on board with you. But that kind of logic doesn't work for us. Mm. It makes us seem foolish. You're going to have to, if you're going to see what God can do, you're going to have to be ready to be made foolish sometimes. Peter, what are you doing down there fishing in the middle of the day? I'm going to catch a fish for some tax money. What? Peter's been hitting the new wine. No, I'm not drunk as you suppose. The Lord said to do this. He pulled that fish up, opened his mouth, got his coin out, paid his taxes. It happened. Let me spit and make some clay and rub it on your eyes. What's that going to do? If you'll go wash, you'll come back seeing. You'll have to look 
different. You'll stand out. It'll be sometimes God will do some things that just don't make sense. Say, hey, you've only got one little bottle of oil in your house? Then go borrow as many vessels as you can borrow and start pouring into them. Well, I won't even fill one up. Wait and see. Let me tell you, sometimes we've just got to go ahead and believe God above everything else. I know it makes us look like we've got our head in the clouds. We're in a fantasy world. We're a bunch of daydreamers. But we are the ones who get to see what God's doing. For these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they're going to cast out devils. They're going to speak with new tongues. Uh, they can take up serpents and scorpions. If they drink any deadly thing, it won't hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I didn't have to go to medical school to see it happen. I didn't have to spend all that money. I mean, I, you know, I just believe the Lord. I ain't got no student debt with the Lord. But he said you could lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Well, I know that makes for good Bible stories, Pastor. It makes for good real life stories. There's testimonies abundant in this church alone at all. Uh, just lately we've heard so many uh testimonies of blinded eyes and uh, deaf ears unstopped and we've, we've just get, been getting testimonies from all over how God is moving and healing and delivering. God is still doing it. He's still in the miracle working business. In this great advanced age, this futuristic age that we live in, it's still the almighty, the eternal God who's got the control. He could speak and shut this world down in a moment. He could stop technology in a moment. He could, he could cut the power by saying, go away. Let it be dark instead of let it be light. If he wanted to do it, he could just cut it off. That's the power that God has. He's still the Almighty. But in our natural mind, sometimes it, this, this carnal mind, it says it's not subject to God. It, it can't grasp sometimes the things that God's doing. That's, you've got... Faith never, ever, ever reconciles with your carnal mind. That's why we always find ourselves going, "Woo! I can't believe what God done. And I know that's just the way we say it, but we ought to be saying, I can believe God will do it. But well, I've seen God do some things, and I'm be like, I can't believe that it worked out. But I should be able to believe it worked out because God said, I can do anything. And so don't let what you know, your knowledge, just, oh, I, I mean, you can be smart, you can be clever, you're good, man, at you know, figuring things out and, and you know how to work things out, but you'll never be as clever as God. You'll never figure out God. You'll never be able to figure out the way he works. He said, you're going to have to have faith. Peter was so sure, you know, Peter was raised up, he was a fisherman. One day the Lord said, after he'd been fishing all night and hadn't caught a thing. He said, launch back out there and throw your net out. See what happens. So Peter says, we've been fishing all night, Lord. We ain't caught nothing. But Peter did what we've got to learn to do. To say, nevertheless, no matter what I know, at your word, and sometimes the Lord will tell us, say, Lord, I've been doing this and nothing's happening. But, but at your word. So Peter, they, they're like, we've been fishing all night. The nighttime's the best time to fish. It's the middle of the day. I'm tired. Uh, we just got through with him preaching. But, you know, I, and maybe he thought he was going to show Jesus a thing or two. I know you're a good preacher, but let me show you something about fishing. And the Lord said, let me show you something about fishing. He said, let me show you something about faith. And so he said, nevertheless, despite what I know, despite what's already happened, despite what the past night has brought me, which is nothing, I'll do it. Maybe so I can show everybody else. Maybe I can show you. Maybe we'll prove if you're who you are. What I don't know. But he said, nevertheless, at your word. And he went and let down that net and said, and he, they were trying to pull the net and the net began to break because of the fish that was caught, the miraculous draught. And of course, Peter was in like, well, God, have mercy on me. I'm a, you know, I'm a sinful man. And, and, but he realized then that God's faith is always better than my knowledge, than what I know. And sometimes you just got to do things that don't make any sense. God will ask you to do things that don't make any sense. 
The world won't get it. The Bible says that the preaching, even our preaching, the preaching of the cross is foolishness to this world that perishes. They don't get it. They don't believe it. They don't understand it. But God, his wisdom, the wisdom of God is greater than the wisdom of this world. In 1 Corinthians 3 and 19, Paul said, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. God's not worried about how smart we are. Have we got faith? Have you got faith tonight? Can you believe what God will do? Come on, somebody. Can you believe what God will do? You know, I wish there was a way to inoculate people. I wish we had a, a, a little shot right here. Just come right here and let me just give you a shot and you would have faith. I have no other way to, to give you faith than to preach what God said. No, nobody does. Nobody has a magic faith pill. They've got no formula. It's faith comes by hearing. You have just got to make up your mind. Will I push past my flesh and have faith in a God that I cannot see? Will I believe that he can save me and that he's going to come back and get me someday? We all believe that. But can you believe that while we're walking here, we will and can see the miraculous? Come on, somebody. Not for, not for a show, not for profit, not for gain, not, not for publicity, not for reputation, but simply because that's what the Word of God says that the believers can have, that we can be uh, laying hands on the sick, that we can be casting out devils, that we can be praying for things and seeing God bring things back to life. We can watch God raise the dead, heal the sick. We can watch God do anything. And honey, I believe. And if, if it had to happen, if somebody really needed to do it, they could walk on water. I believe if, if there was a believer and his boat was sinking and he said, God, I need you to save me, the Lord could say, just, just take on walking. Take on walking. Oh, I don't, Pastor, you're out there now. Exactly. I might be out there, but I believe that God can do anything. The question, the answer is still the same to the question. There is nothing too hard for the Lord. It's nothing too hard for him. God can still do anything. And he can work in our lives with anything. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you see or what you know. You've got to believe God. The fact that Paul was writing about Abraham at that time, that the thought that Abraham could father a child was impossible. He was almost 90 years old. Or about, he was about 100 years old. She was 90. 100 years old. Still waiting on a child. But he believed God. It said he, his, he can, his own body was now dead or the deadness of Sarah's womb. But you know, Paul, right before that, he called Abraham the father of us all. And I thought, you know, like father, like son. I want to be like father Abraham. Sometimes when they're talking about that, they'll say, well, the apple didn't fall far from the tree. That means they're very similar in the way they act and the way they do it. And I hope that's true when it comes to faith because uh, Abraham, it says, he considered not. He considered not his own body, his own body now dead. His body was not capable of doing what God said was going to happen. And he said, but I'm not going to sit here and consider the problem. See, that's the thing with us is that we spend too much time focusing on the problem and not the answer. We're not focusing on the problem solver. We're not believing God. And, and Abraham, he had this kind of faith. It was more, Abraham didn't have that easy believism like the world has today. Oh, just let me believe and I ain't got to do nothing else. But Abraham was strong, steadfast in the faith and it caused him to trust God despite any circumstance. He trusted God when he laid Isaac on the altar because he said he believed that God could even raise him from the dead. He had that kind of faith, and, and it, it was constant. It was continual, and it caused him to wait patiently for the promises of God because he believed what God said. And I know we get in a hurry, and our patience is not good when it comes to faith. But sometimes we've just got to be patient 
and have faith and trust that God will do what he said he would do. That God will answer my prayer. And if I believe in him, he will give me the desires of my heart. I don't want to serve God without faith. I don't don't want to just have had an experience at an altar somewhere and then live the rest of my time here wondering if God's ever going to do anything again. I don't want to be watching everybody else get their miracle and I'm sitting around wringing my hands wondering, why not me, why not me, why not me? Sometimes you're just going to have to stop looking at the problem. Abraham knew. I know my own body. I know the problems and the health conditions that I have at 100 years old. God, how can I? No, he's not staggering at the problem. He's not considering the situation. He's saying God is faithful that promised. And so you got to stop looking uh, at how serious, oh, there's no way this is going to turn around. Well, it sure won't if you keep saying it won't. You've got to stop giving power to the problem. Stop speaking faith into the problem and start praying for the solution. Start having faith in God, believing him above everything. When you have a promise from God, you got to look at the promise, not the problem. Remember who promised. He cannot lie. He's not a deceiver. He's not a joker. He's not fooling you. Oh, come on, somebody. Uh, Come on. I'm telling you, I know sometimes that people think, man, that people with faith are silly, foolish. They're, they're, man, they're just idealistic or whatever. I don't know what they want to call us anymore, but I still believe that God can do anything. And I don't want to just come to prayer meeting and say a bunch of words and nothing happen. I don't want to lay hands on the sick all the time and nothing happen. I don't want people to come to me with a prayer request and we're praying and nothing's happening, but I want to believe that God will do what we ask him to do. And I believe that he will. I believe that God still answers the prayers of the saint. Let me tell you, there is no problem greater than your faith in the almighty God. I don't care what the problem is. I don't care if it's cancer. I don't care if it's addiction. I don't care if it's abuse. I don't care what it is. Friend, I'm telling you today, there is no problem greater than your faith in the almighty God. Because with faith, nothing shall be impossible. Nothing is impossible to him that believes. I'm just trying to figure out how far does our belief go? Did it stop at the altar? Did it stop in the baptistry? Did it stop when I started speaking in tongues? Or does it still continue when everything is breaking loose in my life? When everything that's shaking can be shaken is going on in my life. When it feels like the ground is falling out from under me. When I don't know what I'm going to do about tomorrow. Do I still have faith in God? Do I still believe the man that hung on the cross and shed his blood? Do I still believe in the one that come out of that grave? He said, destroy me. Three days later, I'll be back. How far does our faith go? I don't want a one-time experience with faith. Let me tell you, there ain't no greater act of faith than God saving your soul. But he said, after I do that, you're going to have the benefit, the residual benefits of faith, that you could lay hands on the sick, that you'll see miracles, signs, and wonders following you. I want to have faith in God. I want to have faith in God. Don't focus on the problem. When you have a promise, when you have a word from the Lord, it's going to work just like he said. When Peter saw Jesus walking on the water, hey, I want to do that. But he said, you got to read what he said because it wasn't just because Peter wanted to show everybody up in the boat. I want to show you all something. Uh, He said, Lord, if it's you, then bid me to come to where you are. He said, I want to go wherever Jesus is walking. I don't understand how he's walking on water, but if he's doing it, 
I want to be there. I want to go wherever he's going. I don't want to be just sitting here in the boat watching him pass me by. So, Lord, if that's you, if that's really you, then bid me to come to you. And the Lord just said, come. One word. Peter heard one word. Faith comes by hearing. But then there's got to be an obedience because faith without works is dead. So Peter steps out. That, that is, that's the kind of faith that goes past your senses. Because anybody knows if you step out of a boat, you're going under. That's the natural thing. They, they, used to, they fished, and you know that when it would get hot, they would dive out of the boat to cool themselves off. They, they knew about when you get out of the boat, you go under. That's what we know. But God's word, his promises will let you walk on top of what you know. And he started walking on the water. But when he saw the winds and the waves, he started to sink. Because he no longer was focusing on his walk. We walk by faith. And he was focusing on the wave. And he was focusing on the water. And I, I thought about that today and it reminded me of a scripture in James 1 and 6. It said, when we ask, ask in faith. He asked the Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. So he asked in faith, and he didn't doubt. But when you do doubt, you're, you become like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Peter began to sink into the waves, to the water, when he began to doubt. Friend, your situation will swallow you up when you lose faith. Peter began to become like the water. He was just going to become, he was going to be tossed and thrown about and, 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 and crashed about in that water because he began to doubt it. And when you start doubting God, your problem will begin to swallow you up. What you were walking on top of is now getting on top of you. We've got to have faith in God. Listen, faith does not consider the evidence. It's not bound by the physical laws of man. But when we have faith, it looses the power of the Almighty through our trust in Him. You hear me? Faith is not looking at the evidence. Lord, He's been dead four days. Didn't I say if you believed, you'd see the glory of God? Faith does not consider the evidence. It doesn't consider what it actually can see or touch or, or see or smell or, or anything. It goes past our senses. It goes past the physical law of mankind. But oh, it looses the healing, delivering, saving power of the Almighty God. We can't be thinking about whether well, this is going to make me look silly. I can't worry about what other people are going to think because I'm praying for someone to be healed. They've got cancer. The doctor said it's over. I'm praying for God to heal them. The doctor said it was over. I'm praying God to heal them. The doctor said, who are you going to believe? I have watched people come out of hospital beds. I've, Sister Shelby has a cousin. He's your cousin. Brandon's your cousin. I grew up with Brandon's dad. I knew Brandon since the time he was a baby. But after he got a little older, he, he must have been 20, maybe 18 or 20 at that time. He had a wreck on a motorcycle, hopped on a motorcycle, took off. I think he didn't even have a helmet on, just was going to just ride this guy's motorcycle. It was, had a wreck. Nobody saw it. Nobody was there. I think the mailman found him laying in the cul-de-sac, and he was almost dead, head injury. They got him to the hospital. He was laid up. We came up to see the family. And, of course, the waiting room was full of family and friends, all these teenagers and stuff in there. They, man, they're crying. And because the doctor said, you know, if he were to wake up, he would just be a vegetable. Said he's not going to know anything. Said, and we walked in, me, his, his great-grandmother, his dad, and two other pastor friends. And we went in to pray for him. And his head was so swollen I, it didn't even look real. Ports coming out everywhere trying to relieve the swelling. Road rash all over him just eat up, just looked horrible, hopeless. And we prayed. 
Didn't feel anything. We prayed. We prayed. We spoke in tongues. We prayed again. Got ready to go out. The, the dad and the other pastors, they went out, me and his great-grandmother stood there for a moment. We turned around. We walked out of that room. I remember we came out, took a right. We're going down the hallway. And I don't know if you've ever stood in the water at the beach about, about this deep and one of them big waves come slap you in the back. That's what we felt. We were walking in on it. It was just like a wave came over us, and we both just started speaking in tongues going down the hallway. And, I mean, we were just like looking at each other because she felt it, I felt it. We turned again, and it did it again. It was, we were just about to go out the doors, and I said, God just healed him. I said, I'm telling you, the Lord just healed that boy. And we walked out into that room. We, I mean, me and her are crying and speaking in tongues, and all these kids are crying. I said, man, I don't want y'all crying about that boy's fine. And they're all looking like, yeah, you're a nut. The next day, he woke up, and he was the day that he was in that accident, he was supposed to be leaving with his grandmother to go to Florida. And they said, if he wakes up, he won't remember nothing, traumatic head injury. He woke up, and he said, did Grandma leave me and go to Florida? He's got children of his own today. I, I, I've seen him. I saw him several years later. I said, the last time I saw you, they didn't think you would live. I don't know if he realizes what God did for him, but, but I, I saw what God did. I felt what God did that day. And I'm telling you, God still does it today. And the doctors, were, were the doctors. I told his daddy, because I've known his daddy just about all my life, and I said, Andy, I said, the doctor is not going to give you any hope. I said, he can't afford to. He can't afford to tell you he's going to be all right and then it not be all right. I said, he's, he's going to tell you what their book says, but I'm telling you, God just healed your son. I'm telling you that God just healed your son. And, and there was no evidence of it right then. If you'd have walked right back in that room, he was still laying there unconscious, unresponsive. But sometime during the night, God said, all right, now it's time to wake up. It's time to start talking. It's time to get back to living. And God done it. God can do it. And the scripture is full of stories like that uh, where, uh, where God was just things that were, that's impossible, but yet God was doing it. God was healing. And, and that, that's the thing is that you listen to this. Faith, it constrains us to believe in the totality of what God can do, not just part what God can do. There's too many of us that can believe to a point, but faith is saying you got to surrender that. You got to quit trying to hold on to control. You know, even many of us would concede, you know, there used to be an old saying, uh, well, God's my co-pilot. And we used to always be like, hey, uh-uh, God's my pilot. But here's the thing is we want to be the co-pilot. No, I want to be the passenger. Just let him take me wherever we got to go. I don't want to be like, hey, can I take the wheel for, you know, the, what the co-pilot does? He says, let me take the wheel a while. Mm -mm. I don't want the wheel. I just want to have faith in him. I don't want to take nothing from him. I want to believe him completely. I want to give him all the control. I want to believe that you're going to work in this situation. I don't care what nobody says. Hey, quit letting other people's advice destroy your faith. Nobody... Quit letting other people's doubt destroy your faith. You believe even Abraham, he, he did not consider the problem. He said, I know my body. And you can say, I know my situation, but I still believe God. I know how bad it is. I know what's already been said. I know what people have promised, but I'm telling you, I still know God. I know that God is able. I know that God can do it. I know he can. God's able tonight. Don't you believe it? Come on, do you have faith tonight? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. How am I doing on time? I'm doing good on time. We, we have seen the miraculous in this building. I know that one night, several, it's been a couple of years ago, that in prayer meeting, my daughter, she had a little scoliosis going on and, and if she were to sit down her feet would not be even because one was higher than the other and one night I believe Sister Bianca prayed for you and over there and, and while she prayed for her 
it just that thing just straightened out and and God took care of that scoliosis and and healed that problem God does those kind of things and not just too long ago uh, and our church knows this but but they had found a, a mass uh, in one of her breasts right there and but it was to a point that it was protruding enough that you could actually see where it was. She had had some x-rays done by the chiropractor and you could see the mass on the x-ray that the chiropractor had taken. And so she was going for an exam. And we went that morning as well. And we were there. My wife and I were sitting out in the car and she went in with her fiance. Uh, and uh, y'all weren't married yet. No, and uh, he went in with her, and they were in there, and so we're expected to be there for a little bit. So we're answering messages and sending emails and do, taking care of some business while we're sitting in the car, and we were, we're not there maybe 15 minutes, and here they come back out the door. And I'm, I'm looking at them like, well, ain't nobody crying. Like, no, nobody looks like they got, you know, some bad news. I mean, so we're just like, what? So here's what happens where they had checked her and done things. They were, her body was bruised. It was visible bruising all around uh, from previous appointments and things. And you could see, uh, again, the mass protruding three inches. And so she's in the waiting room. She's changed into that gown. And, of course, while she's changing, she can see. She knows it's all there. It's still there. And she's praying the whole time just speaking in tongues, worshiping God, praying in the waiting room. The lady comes in, and they get ready to do the exam, and so they undo the robe, and they look. No bruising. The lady's like, uh, what side was the mask supposed to be on you? They're looking. So then uh, she says, wait right here. I don't think you're going to be here very long. She goes, gets the doctor, and he's like checking everything. They, they can't figure out what's, what's, what's happened. But we know what happened. God healed her body and he did that in a moment he, he, he let he, he let it just uh, any good like that he just let it build up to where it's like look here you're, you're about to get there oh hey where'd that go you know just gone healed gone got an x-ray uh, and you can look at the x-ray uh, from the chiropractors, and then you, you couldn't see that, that thing anymore. It's gone. So, you know, God, that's what God does. He's still doing that. And the, But look, don't limit him to just physical healing because God can repair things in your life. Come on, God can fix. He can. I, I've watched God fix families. I've watched him fix homes. I've watched him work in relationship. I've seen him do it. I've seen him fix things on people's jobs. I've seen him help people out of all kinds of situations. I've watched God do it. I've seen him make a way where it seemed like there was simply no way. It made no sense to pray, but yet they prayed and God answered. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. And that's what the writer of Hebrews was telling us. Seeing that we are compassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses. Look at all they did and accomplished and what happened in their lives through faith. God saved them, delivered them, took care of them, blessed them, provided for them. Anything can be done through faith. But I've got to believe in all of it. In Mark 9 and 23, Jesus told a man, if you can believe all things are possible to him that believeth. He was watching a spirit roll his son in the dirt, tearing him up, foaming at the mouth. And the Lord said, I know what you see, and I know you've tried to get others to help, and nothing's worked, but if you can believe all things are possible. And he said, Lord, help my unbelief. Sometimes, hey, don't be so proud that you can't say, Lord, help my unbelief. Because that happens to the best of us. If Peter can begin sinking on the water, the man with the keys to the kingdom, you better believe sometimes our little old selves can begin to sink sometimes. But know what to do. Lord, help my unbelief. We've got to believe God. 
it said of Abraham that he did not stagger at the promise of God through unbelief. No matter what the situation looked like, he trusted God. You're just going to have to trust God. I don't care what the doctor said. You've got to trust God. That's the kind of faith we've got to have. We must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Uh, like Brother Arnold said one time, that's the must that makes the miracle. We've got to do that. So get the unbelief out. Get rid of all that, that doubt and things and believe God. Hebrews 11 said, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. When we can't see a way, faith provides evidence of the impossible. It got real big a couple of years ago. Faith is greater than fear. But the thing that I'm trying to help people get past is to stop fear and faith. People are afraid of faith. They're afraid to use it because of how it might make them look. And that's why we're not seeing the miraculous as we should. We have... We have Confined faith to the sanctuary. We have confined faith to camp meeting. We have confined it to revivals and special services. But you ought to be able to lay hands on somebody in the supermarket and God heal their body. Well, I ain't praying for nobody in the supermarket and that's why. Well, we, wanna, we don't want to be a spectacle but the apostles said we are spectacles. We're spectacles to the world. We're peculiar people. And I'm not saying go with the intent of, let me see if I can just go tear Walmart up. I'm not saying go jump up on a register and start showing out. I'm just saying, it's just, I was in the grocery store several months ago, a lady that used to come to church here, and she was, um, they started telling me about something going on in their body. And I said, hey, let's just pray right now. And so we stand right there in the supermarket. And just We wasn't like screaming and hollering. And I didn't push her over in the floor. And, you know, I just took her by the hand. I said, Lord, this is your, your, your child. And you can heal her. And we believe it right now. And we just prayed a simple prayer and prayed, but believed God. I don't know what happened. I ain't seen her again. But why miss that opportunity to pray for somebody, huh? Why miss that opportunity? Let's stand together. Honey, you can come on. You guys can come to the music. Listen, when we can't see a way, faith will make a way. We've got to live by the examples that are set forth for us through Scripture. I have no other examples than this. I've got testimonies of saints that I know personally. You know, if you don't think that prayer and faith keeps people and, and, and saves people, your brother wouldn't be here if, if it wasn't for faith. Brother Harvey had, had pastors down in McDonough. He was hit by a car. A lady was going 45 miles an hour, hit him while he was crossing street, never touched the brakes, hit him. He don't remember any of that, but it, it, it should have killed him. Should have killed him. And we get, people were getting phone calls. This is happened. Brother Harvey's been hit by a car and people immediately started praying, started believing, started having faith. And I, if I'm not mistaken, within a day's time, he was out of the hospital. It was very quick. He was out of the hospital. He's fine today. There was some recovery. There's some things. But that man's pastor in a revival church in McDonough, great, one of the greatest people you'll ever meet in your life. And he'll tell you, I should not be here, but God is still doing the miraculous. God's doing it. So it seems silly to the world, even ridiculous sometimes. But answers come through obedience to the faith. How many times has God come through for you? Come on, somebody. Come on. Why don't you think back? Think back. Sometimes what you're going through right now, 
will cloud your memory of the things that God has done for you in the times before. That, But start thinking back. God made a promise. And woo, it seems like the world has burnt down since he gave me that promise. But he still gave me a promise. And his promises are yea. And his promises are amen. His promises are true. It is impossible for God to lie. God will not lie. What happened with Abraham? Sarah. Genesis 21. 1 and 2. It says, And the Lord visited Sarah just as he had said. And the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. Because Abraham would not stagger at the promises of God. Because he would not believe what, even what his own body was telling him. He said, I believe God above everything else. He received the promise. Jesus simply answered his disciples in Mark 11 and 22, have faith in God. Just have faith in God. And so in a world that is moving farther and farther away from faith, believing in science and technology and the things that they can create, trying to create artificial life trying to create machines that they say have a soul there's one creator but in a world like that today we need to go back as the church and start having faith and believing that God can do what he said he would do and so tonight as we get ready to come to the altar spend some time in his presence I want you to come with faith I want you to forget about what you know about your situation with your own mind, with your own eyes, with your emotions and I want you to come believing God I want you to come like that woman with the issue of blood and, and say if I can just get down here tonight and touch the hem of his garment this thing's going to turn around this thing's going to be better ha ha 